really do have a calling by God, a calling to rise up in the name of the Lord and go out there as men to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. But we live in a world that is seemingly possessed by a desire to relativize everything, including gender. I thought it would be good to do a series of sermons on men and how they, as men, have attributes that help express the divine nature in all of us. You know, God gives us insight into ourselves back in Genesis, the first chapter, verses 26 and 27. By the way, this series, as you see, is going to be ongoing. We're going to finish it up around Father's Day. encourage you to be a part of this if you can come and be here. Anyway, there in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all that move along the ground over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Only together, to use the language of computers, as a binary code, so to speak. Male and female. Do we fully reflect the image of God. Therefore, it is vital to have both men and women working for God's will to be done properly, to be working as he envisioned it. He will shine through us as long as we are together, men and women working for him. Without man, woman is incomplete. Without woman, man is incomplete. Now, by saying this, I'm in no way getting after you single folks, because this is more in the context of the church that I'm talking about. Marriage is a question of personal decision. And remember, the Apostle Paul himself chose to remain single, didn't he? But understood the need to be married as well. We need each other. And we especially need our men because too many are missing in action today. It will come as no surprise to most of you that women make up the majority of the roles of most churches. I don't think that's big news to anybody. That is the way it has been. Uh, and as we look at that, we, we wonder why. And I think there are a lot of cultural reasons why. There's a lot of uh, reasons that go to, towards the church and how we could do a better job of reaching out to men uh, rather than uh, reaching out in one way. We need to reach out again in that binary way, male and female, reaching out to both. But for the next five weeks, we're going to be focusing on men and the kind of man that God can use. You know, God can use all types of men. Is there any just one man, one type of man? There aren't, are there? There's lots of different types of men in God's creation. Each one has a different uh, gift, talent, uh, characteristic that God can use in that individual and together with others to expand the kingdom of God. The four that we're going to look at the, uh, 
are, are really representative types. Uh, you know, the, the, the wild man, the gentle man, the humble man, and I've already forgotten the last one. Sportsmen, thank you. I got it out of order and then I messed it up. Um, these are just representative types. There's many more types of people. But, you know, we live in a, in a world where we have overgeneralized um, stereotypes. Have you, you ever seen that? Okay, I'm gonna, I can tell you how indoctrinated you are. You're going to be able to finish my sentence, okay? This first one, you're going to have to be of a certain age to get it, but I think we got enough here of that age that I'll get it. Okay, real men don't eat quiche. That's right. <laughs> it wasn't even a man that got it. It was Kelly back there that got it. <laughs> um, here's another one. Men are from Mars, women are from... Okay, see, you know the stereotypes, don't you? Now, is that really true? Are all men the macho, you know, go out and pick a fight kind of guy? And are all women the, you know, into beauty and, and all that kind of stuff? No, that's just not true. They're generalizations. And we can make too many generalizations um, if we're not careful and miss out on the ways that God has spread out his gifts among his body. And God can use all the different types of men that are in his church, that are in this world, if they will only give themselves to him, surrender themselves to him, he will use us. I hope you can join us for the series. And if you can't be here, remember you can go to our website, waldlakecoc.com, and you can download the sermons. It'll take a day or two to get them up there, but they will be there, and we encourage you to listen to the sermons, re-listen to the sermons, uh, ask questions about the sermons, challenge me if you don't agree with me. Um, this is a, a time that we can work together as men to truly improve the kingdom of God. Today, we're going to look at the wild man and how God used a wild man or two uh, in the past and uh, how he will use maybe our wild streak from the past or perhaps even the present to bring glory to him. In the passage today, we met the demoniac. Uh, he was uh, <laughs> quite wild, wasn't he? Uh, chains couldn't contain him. Uh, they had to just basically let him have the cemetery uh, because he was just out of control. He was possessed by a legion of demons. Now, a legion was a division of the Roman army that's roughly equivalent to our modern brigade, which means about two to 4,000 men in a brigade. Now, as a result of this, this guy had a lot of voices in his head, so to speak. <laughs> um, you can imagine the torment the man himself was experiencing uh, through this possession. The demons, however, when they see Jesus Christ come by, recognize who he is and rush over to him and began begging him not to be sent into the abyss, but instead to be sent into a group of pigs, a herd of pigs that are there. Jesus grants them this wish. They enter the pigs and immediately the pigs run off a cliff into the water and drowned. It's a wild story. Anyway, you, you look at this story, it's wild. But God can use us. He can use us no matter how wild we are. As wild as this demoniac was, God was able to use him to his glory. 
Notice how he used him. First of all, he healed him. I mean, he cast out the demons. And everybody saw this, and everybody was amazed. But, you know, he didn't then say, and now you should come along with me so I have, uh, you know, an example to show everybody of all the good things I can do. He didn't say that, did he? What did he say instead? He said, go home. Go home and tell your own people. By your own people, guess what? The region of the Gerasenes, also known as the Decapolis, was a region that was primarily Gentiles. He sent him home to his own people, his Gentile people, to tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man, it says, went away, began to tell the, the news in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. All the people were amazed at this man's witness. And you've got to think that that prepped the ground for the gospel when Jesus gave his disciples their marching orders to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to all nations, gave them fertile ground to walk into already because they'd already heard of Jesus. They were amazed. And you know, I think the same thing happens today. Today, we can allow things to control us, can't we? And they can change us, brothers, into wild men. Things like drugs, things like alcohol. I think we kind of know that, but still struggle. Things like pornography, letting work dominate our lives, letting rage become uncontrollable within us. There's so many ways, so many things that can possess us if we allow them to. And when they possess us, when we allow them in, they turn us into someone different, someone different than we want to be. But the good news is we can change. Do any of you, and now I'm talking to the older folks here, do any of you remember the song, The Baptism of Jesse Taylor? You don't? Do you remember? Okay, Carol's shaking her head. She remembers. Uh, in the story uh, of the song, uh, it's told how Jesse Taylor, who'd been the county drunk, uh, carouser and brawler, uh, changed his ways and was baptized. I, I love the chorus of this song. It says, They baptized Jesse Taylor in Cedar Creek last Sunday. Jesus gained a soul, and Satan lost a good right arm. I love that line. <laughs> and they all cried hallelujah as Jesse's head went under, because this time he went under for the Lord. You know, here's where God used a wild man to show people his power and how he can change someone's life. You know, in the song, things do change, and not just for Jesse, but for his whole family, for Nancy Taylor, and for their son, Jimmy. Chorus goes, or the final verse goes, from now on, Nancy Taylor can proudly speak to neighbors. Tell how much Jesse took up with little Jim. Now Jimmy's got a daddy and Jesse's got a family. And Franklin County has got a lot more man. Nancy has her honor back. Jimmy's got his daddy. Jesse's got his family back, and Franklin County's got a lot more man. You know, too often we fall into the 
thinking of the world, thinking that men are certain types of people. They have to be rough and tumble, and they don't. There are many men. And if we allow those things to take over, then God cannot be glorified in us. God cannot use us if we are controlled by other things. Remember, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love one or you'll hate the other. Brothers, if we have accepted Christ in baptism, but we still insist on allowing ourselves to be possessed, I'll use that term, possessed by sinful ways, we must understand that God's grace is not going to be there for us if we continue to do that. You know, Paul speaks to this clearly in Romans, the sixth chapter, verses one and two and following. I'm only going to be kind of looking at one and two here. He, he rhetorically asks, shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? What's his answer? No, by no means. You died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? But our world, our world puts forward a picture of what it means to be a man that is at the very least confusing and at worst just false. You know, it takes the good aspects of man and he exaggerates them. Strength becomes violence. Bravery becomes drunken bravado. And loving tenderness becomes lust. We are not men when we are possessed by anyone but the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, if we're possessed by anything else, we become slaves to that thing. We become slaves to sin, and we become the good right arm of Satan. Brothers, God has so much in store for you and for me. And by the way, we don't have to be emasculated to become men of God. Uh, Brian Bailey often will use the term mighty men of God. Uh, speaking of David's uh, fighters that were around him, fighting with him. We don't have to become emasculated in order to follow the Lord. God wants men to be men. He wants women to be women. But not by the world's definition, by his definition. The world's definition is who knows what these days. It's hard to keep track of it. But God has a definition, and we need to follow it. It's only when we reject the warped images that the world gives us of what it means to be a man that we can be truly capable of being fully the image bearers of God. Remember back there in Genesis? God created us in his image. It's only when we follow God's will that we become that full image bearer that he had in mind when he created us. I think we can see what God looks for in a man by the characteristics he looks for in the leaders of his church. In First Titus, or excuse me, in Titus 1, 7 and 8, we read that for a man to be considered as an elder, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. These are qualities, by the way, that our world even respects when they see them. Why would we settle for anything less? 
Men of God, we must rise up, as we sang at the beginning of the sermon, and do better. We must be done with lesser things so that we can serve the King of Kings. But before we do that, we must be honest with ourselves, and we must confess our sin. We must confess especially our weakness, our inability to save ourselves. We cannot by ourselves become perfect, but with God we can day by day be transformed into the image of his perfect son, Jesus Christ. With God's spirit indwelling us, we have a counselor, or maybe better yet, a coach who is right there beside us, empowering us to be God's image bearers in this world, to be his ambassadors, so that when people see us, they see his son. But one other thing. Brothers, remember that we are weak. We will fall. But we have a God who will welcome us home even after we've failed. I know many men who feel that they have done so much wrong that there's just no way God can forgive them. Now that is a lie from Satan and you need to stop listening to it. It's not true. In the parable of the, of the prodigal son, which I think all of us can maybe even relate to better than the story of the demoniac. You know, not many of us think of ourselves as being, you know, possessed. Uh, but we do know that we have willfully gone against our Lord's will at some point in our life. We can identify with this guy. Here is a man who rebelled against everything his father stood for. As the King James Version translated, he squandered all of his inheritance with riotous living. I love that phrase, riotous living. He was having, <clears throat> as the world would say, a good old time didn't turn out to be so good in the end though did it in the end he had nothing he was eating longing to eat the food of the pigs but couldn't even have that he wakes up and finally realizes where he is and returns to his father to beg for a servant's place in his father's home where at least he'd have food to eat and by the way you don't have to be destitute to be a prodigal you may have a house full of things, but still be spiritually and emotionally bankrupt. The good news is, though, that he will restore you if you'll only come to him. He's on the porch now looking for you. He's pacing. I, I always picture it as one of those houses that has a porch on all four sides. You know, he's walking. He's walking around. He's turning the corner. Every time he's looking at a different side of the house, looking, you know, is my son over here? Is he over here? How about over here? Oh, oh there, there he is. He's waiting. He's ready. And the parable says he what? Sat on the porch and waited for the sun to come to him, right? No. It says he ran to him. You have a father in heaven who loves you. A father in heaven who wants to restore you to your full manhood. Restore you to the purpose that he created in you for you to fulfill. He is ready for you to join, to take your place beside him in the work that he has set up, to go into the fields and bring in the harvest that is there. And God can use a man like you. He can use a man like me. You know, I'm not exactly the picture of a wild man, am I? You know, um, 
I, I'm not sure they used me on the poster. My past life was not that wild. I'll admit it. Okay, I've had some great adventures, but they weren't that wild, quote-unquote. But let me tell you something. That doesn't mean that I am without sin. That doesn't mean that I have not done things that I regret, that I wish I had not done. It just means that by the grace of God, I was able to resist some temptations that others were not. But I still have to deal with the things that I did. There is no perfect man. Oh, wait a minute. There is one, isn't there? Who is the one perfect man? Jesus Christ. He is the perfect man. The rest of us have to deal with our imperfection. But thank God, he has given us a mechanism to deal with it. He has taken care of that already through his son, Jesus Christ, who makes up for, fills in the gaps where we fall short. We will fail. But thankfully, we can be restored to him. Remember Peter? Peter really blew it, didn't he? How many times did he deny Jesus Christ? Was it one? Was it two? Three times. And yet, what did Jesus do? He said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And on that shore, on that beach on the shore, around that cook fire, Jesus took Peter, who had blown it royally, and said, I still love you, I still accept you, I still need you to work in my kingdom. And brothers, if you have blown it today, remember, he still needs you. Your coming back to him could be the thing that will take others and help them see Jesus Christ, see the power of transformation that can take place. But you need to step up. You step up first by surrendering. And then after surrendering to him, you shoulder again your cross. You know, the song we sang said, lift up the cross of Christ. Why do we lift that up? Because it's a reminder that it is not by our strength, but it's by the strength of the Lord that we are able to be, stand before him, justified. We're to lift up Christ so that they can see that the secret to our lives of honor is not in ourselves. It's not because we're such a great guy. But it's because our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, lives within us through his Spirit and makes us great, makes us more than conquerors, makes us mighty men of God who can help others come in contact with their Savior. If you're here today and you've struggled on your walk, brothers, I want you to know that you can always come back. If you don't feel comfortable walking forward, please check in with one of our elders, with myself, with Zach, with a trusted brother. Get together and let's start working it. Let's start working it because we're not in this alone. God is there with us and he will form us and shape us and make us into those tools that he needs in this world. If you're here today and you have desire to become a follower of the cross, to become a child of God, to become a part of that image-bearing group of people, men and women, who stand in this world so that the world can see God through his Son who shines in us. I want to invite you to take that step today.
that comes through first having faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he is God's son, and then putting feet on that faith by surrendering yourself to him in baptism. Baptism is an immersion in water. It represents your death to sin, your burial with Christ, and your resurrection with Christ and in the power of Christ to live each day as more than conquerors, to live each day as an image bearer of God who can go into this world and share the good news of salvation in Jesus' name. Whatever your need is today, won't you come to him while we stand and while we sing?